world. And at the heart of Habakkuk's complaint last week was, God, you're not doing anything. You're not doing anything about the world around me, about the injustice and the violence that I see. You are silent, God. Why? 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 How long, God, will you allow this to go? Now Habakkuk's uh, bold questioning of God last week. Why? But you remember also as we, as we looked through the, kind of the span of Habakkuk last week, uh, we saw that by the end of the book there's a remarkable turnaround in Habakkuk's position. At the end of the book, he could say that even though everything fails, I will still praise you. When everything we think brings happiness to us and security and peace is taken away, still he will rejoice in God and praise his Lord. Now just flick through back to, uh, or across to 3.17 and just see that. So flick flick across the page in your Bible and you'll you'll read this. So 3.17... Though the fig tree does not bud, though there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, everything that brings happiness and security in life, but not even when there's none of that, verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go in the heights. You see, by the end of the book, Habakkuk is praising God, and he's praising God in the time when most people would cry in anguish, Why have you done this, Lord? Now Habakkuk gets to the position of being able to rejoice in God, even in the darkest situations. And so over these weeks, we're going to just chart the progress that Habakkuk makes to get to that position, so that we can understand ourselves. How do you get to the position where you can say that in all circumstances? And so last week, we, you remember that God's initial answer was very simple. Habakkuk saying, God, why are you not doing anything? And God says, I am doing something. I am always working. I'm doing something. Now, I've spoken to people at events week this week, and they, they, they believe that God exists, they tell me. No, they say they believe that God exists, but he doesn't really have anything to do with the world. Really, it's a, it's a form of what's called deism. The belief that God made the world, or God, there is a God, but he has nothing actually to do with this world here and where we are, as if he's wound it up like a clockwork toy and then just let it go. And so what happens, it just spins and, and God's got nothing to do with what happens in the here and now. But Habakkuk says, well, God says to Habakkuk, no, that's not right. I am actively working in the world directing the world and everything that happens in the world. And we saw it from verse 5 quite clearly. This is the, the English Standard Version translation. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that would not believe. Now Habakkuk saying, God, why are you not doing anything? And God says, I'm doing a work in your days. God is involved in his world. He's working in his world. And that's, that's what we saw last week. And the God goes on in verses 6 to 11 to say what he was doing at that time. Uh, just read this with me, because it's just what raises more questions uh, for Habakkuk. So verse 6, he says, I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people, who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honour. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. 
Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like a vulture swooping to devour. They all come bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They deride kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities and build earthen ramps to capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose strength is their own God. You see, God says, I'm doing something. I'm raising up the Babylonians. It doesn't really do much to calm Habakkuk's nerves at that point. To calm Habakkuk's questions that he's got. And so he questions God again. Well, in your groups, have a look at the two things that Habakkuk comes to God and says, this is what you're like, God, and what his central concern about the Babylonians is. So in your groups now. So as he waits for God's response in the watchtower, this is what Donald Gowan says about this. He says, for most people, scepticism, doubt of any kind, connotes unbelief. And this has led many faithful Christians to fear questions, to be unwilling to bring to light the unresolved issues that lie somewhere inside and bring them to God, asking help in finding the truth. But I say scepticism is not to be feared. The attitude of the greatest sceptics is not one of earnestness and sincer- only of earnestness and sincerity, but of recognition to duty towards the truth. They don't give up and say there is no truth, or the truth can never be found. Rather, they climb to the watchtower to strain every level of their intellects to search for the truth. You see what he's saying there? And if what Habakkuk is modelling for us here is that when he has questions about God, when he can't understand how this matches up, he doesn't just try and hide those and pretend they're not really there. Rather, he brings them to God and asks God the questions, and then he looks to God to answer the question. Now, it's the model that we should have. We shouldn't be afraid of having doubts or questions about God, but we should bring those to God, and we should go up onto the heights, as as Gavin is saying, and look to find what God says in his word, to struggle and to understand these things, to speak to others um, about them. Well, Habakkuk uh, waits, um, and then he receives uh, the answer. And the answer is not just for him, it's for us as well. And you see it in in 2.2. The Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. You see, he writes the the revelation down so that others can benefit from it too, so that we can read it. (laughs) Just as a side note there, it's quite interesting, I think. The, The initiative for writing of scripture here comes from God. It's not that God stops speaking and then they think, oh, we better write something down, otherwise we won't be able to hear God's voice. No, God, right at the beginning here, says, write this down so that you can know. Um, right at the heart of this, this is God writing the scriptures for us. That's why reading the, the scriptures is so important. Well, at the heart of what we need to understand, though, from this, this chapter is in verse 4. Uh, indeed, it's, I think verse 4 is the, the centre of the whole book of Habakkuk. It's, it's where the whole book is leading to, and in the, in the way the book turns on this point. And in verse 4, there's two ways of living. Now, just have a, have a read of verse 4 yourself. What are, what are the two ways of living there, do you think? Yeah, just, just take a, a minute just to yourself. Okay, two ways, the two ways to live here. Number one... In the first half, you see, there's a man who is he's puffed up. 
His desires are not upright. That's one way of living. It's, it's a little difficult to understand exactly what it means. But it's something, it's something like this. They've got an inflated sense of self. That they're puffed up by themselves. And the desires um, are crooked and wonky because of that. They're, they're puffed up and the desires are not upright. Um, if you think of the Babylonians, that's, that's what they are, is it not? Uh, no verse 11. They sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose strength is their own God. Now the Babylonians worship their own strength. They're, they're puffed up with their own self-importance. They worship themselves. Or in, in, in verse 15 of chapter 1. You see, he, he, the wicked foe pulls all of them up with his hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them in his dragnet. And so he rejoices and is glad. He sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Now the, the picture is there of the, the weapons of war in which they sweep across the nations, destroying nations, gathering nations up. And they think, look how mighty we are. We're going to worship ourselves, worship our weapons of war. Now here, here are people who are puffed up with themselves. You see, they are people whose desires are not upright. They are their own God. They worship the things they made. They were puffed up by them. And we'll come back to these people in a minute to see what their end will be. But the people in our world are exactly the same. All people are puffed up with themselves. Themselves become the central thing the central focus of their, of their lives. <clears throat> now a few years ago I was speaking to an Australian evangelist and he said when they did a, um, a mission, an events week on campus, they did a, a questionnaire and they asked people, what's the biggest problem in the world? Okay, so they asked loads of people, they went around with, with the questionnaire, yeah, what's the biggest problem in the world? I wonder how you would answer that. The answer which overwhelmingly came back, not from the Christians, but just from the general population of the university, was selfishness. What's the biggest problem in the world? Selfishness. Now everybody out for number one. <clears throat> it's where a lot of the problems in Africa come from, isn't it? You know, the people who are out for number one. Uh, the, the corrupt officials, they're meant to be serving those who are under them and who they're appointed to kind of care for, and yet they're lining their own pockets. Uh, people who, when you, 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 you know it yourself, do you know, you get the best answer for, the, for, the, for an exam and you're always a little bit loath to tell other people about it because, well, then they'll know as well and then you're not going to have the, the answer just for yourself. There is selfishness. <clears throat> you see, it's a, way of, it's a way in which we become the centre. Humanity becomes the centre. We are puffed up with ourselves. <clears throat> it's not belief in God. You know, this is what the Bible consistently says. Listen to these words from Romans 1. Actually, turn, turn to Romans 1. Um, keep a finger in Habakkuk and flick to Romans 1. <coughs> so Romans 1, one of Paul's uh, great letters about the Christian faith to the, the, the church in Rome. And, and look what he says in verse, from verse 18. He says, The wrath of God has been revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, 
They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. You see, what people do is they turn away from God and make gods for themselves, they, of which some of that is themselves. You see, they turn away from God, their minds become darkened, and they, they're, 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 they can't live right. All reject God. We'll keep a finger in, in, in Romans 1, because we'll come back there in a minute. But come back to Habakkuk now. Because, see, there's another way to live. Now, if the first way is unbelief, a way in which self is puffed up and God is kind of minimised, the second way is there in the second half, but the righteous will live by faith. You see, there's a way of faith, a way which becomes central to the New Testament. Verse 4, the righteous will live by his faith. It's just three words in the Hebrew. The righteous will live by his faith. And it's, this is the key to living in the world now. The righteous will live by faith. And it means that those who are to relate to God rightly need to live by faith. They need to trust God. And that's the fundamental thing. The fundamental meaning is that the righteous, those who are going to be right with God, need to trust him. And that's how righteousness comes to them. They trust that God is sovereign and good, that he's in control of all things and he's working things to the right way. It's to trust God as the ultimate security in this world above all other things. There's no other place to find security and, and, and hope in the world, and so we need to trust in God. The righteous one is the one who trusts God in the midst of suffering in the world. And this is what John Calvin says. He says, Our salvation is rendered safe and certain through God's promise alone, and that therefore we ought not to seek any other haven where we might securely sustain all the onsets of Satan and of the world. You see, the only place where we can find salvation, the only place where we find life, is by trusting in God, by living by faith, and trusting in the promise of God. Everything else which we think might make us safe in this world will never actually do it. There's a righteous way to live, a way in which trusts God amongst all the vagaries of life. Trusting God's gospel, taking God's word to heart, believing in God. The gospel is good news and it's open to all. And it's because the one who believes in God, persuaded by his covenant promises are reliable, is one who is considered righteous and granted life. You know, for the Christian now, so Habakkuk was told you need to live by faith. And that's what we are told in the gospel. We need to live by faith in God. But the way that we now live by faith in God is by trusting in Jesus and his performance. It's trusting in what Jesus has done and the promise which Jesus gives that brings us life. You know, any other way other than trusting in Jesus' life is a fruitless way of life. I spoke to a Muslim guy this week who was, ultimately, as we, as we got chatting and we got down to it, he's trusting in his own performance. He's trusting in himself. By him, his work of doing good, by being uh, devout and being, uh, living a good life and uh, allowing the Muslim ideals to shape every aspect of his life, but he's, he is the one who's performing before God. He's the one who is ultimately going to make himself righteous. But this is seen here as a righteousness that comes from God, and it's the righteous will live by faith. 
If you turn again to Romans 1, and we'll read these ones. Because you see, it's the, it's the gospel that we trust, not in our own performance. And that, this is what Paul says, that he starts his, his great explanation of what the gospel is. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, in 1 verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. You see, how Paul picks up on this quote from Habakkuk and says the righteous will live by faith. And what is their faith? What are they believing in? Well, they're believing in what Jesus has done. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Do you see that in Romans 3.22? Just flick over the page. And so as Paul goes through and shows that everybody is a sinner before God and nobody's got any hope before God, he comes to 3.22, or let's read from verse 21, but now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness... From God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. You see, the the gospel that we have, the salvation that we have, comes by faith. It's by faith in what Jesus has done, and it is trusting in what Jesus has done, and that's where we find hope in this life. There's no other hope. That's what we've been telling people in events week this week. There's only hope for you is to trust in Christ's performance for you. Well, this is how Martin Lloyd-Jones sums up the two ways to live. He says, The truth stated is that there are only two possible attitudes to life in this world. That of faith and that of unbelief. Either we view our lives in terms of our belief in God and the conclusions which we are entitled to draw from that, or our outlook is based on a rejection of God and the corresponding denials. We may either withdraw ourselves from the way of faith in God, or else we may live by faith in God. Well, what is the outcome of rejection of God? What is it to withdraw from God? What's the outcome of that? Well, I think that's where Habakkuk then goes in the rest of chapter 2. And so in your groups, look at the five woes from verse 6 in chapter 2. And then we'll come back together in a minute. Together. Now we see in the, in the chapter... God shows the end of all those who are puffed up. And that's what, that's what these five woes are. All who live for themselves, indeed all who seek security in the world from something other than God, uh, this is their end for them. These five woes. Everything, and the, the point of each of them almost seems to be what they've worked for is taken away. Uh, the things which they've sought security from are taken away. And if you think for Habakkuk at that time, the Babylonians were the invincible power uh, you almost you could you can imagine uh, Habakkuk thinking, I actually just need to become a Babylonian. That's the thing which I because that's where I'm going to find security. That's where I'm going. That, that's the best way to go. But God was using them at that time, and, the, and God would judge their evil deeds in the end. But God was using them to achieve His good purpose of judging the evil in Judah, and yet these men were guilty of greater evils themselves. And ultimately they would be judged as well. You see, to say that God works in our world means that in some ways God has to work with sinful people. 
Because God can't work with any others in the world. Now Habakkuk's complaint was they, they're worse than us. But they, Habakkuk's sin was still, and the sin of the people in Judah was still sin. But you see, if this right, that there's two ways to live, there's either a way of faith in God, or the one who is who has not got faith in God, who's puffed up in his own, uh, himself is the thing, then God has to kind of use sinful people in this world to achieve his purposes. You see, the sinfulness of, of mankind is, is prevalent throughout the Bible. But I wonder whether you actually believe that all of mankind is sinful. That all of mankind is puffed up. And that's what Romans 1 was saying. That by the time you get to Romans 3, there is no one righteous, no, not one. I wonder what you think of mankind. Though. I, I spoke to somebody again this week. who He was saying, in essence, all mankind is good. Everybody is good. That, that, was, that, was his, that was his point. So some people depart from being good, but the, 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 the consistent picture of the Bible is that all mankind is bad. All mankind is sinful. You see, the only hope then for people in that way is to trust in God. You see, people who trust in themselves, the, the mankind who trust in themselves, everything they thought made them secure will be removed from them, will be taken away, and they will face God. The other way is to trust in the sovereign God, the one who made everything. The one who will bring about the elimination of all that evil. You see, so how should we live between the promise of God and the fulfilment of God? We wait patiently. We live by faith. Now those two rays of light that you see in the, in the chapter I find fascinating. Verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. People might reject God Try and make a name for themselves, make their own glory, and yet the time will come when God will show his glory and the earth will be full of that. Now as Philippians says, when all will bow their knee before the Lord Jesus. Now we trust in that. And then verse 20, the Lord is in his holy temple, let all the earth be silent. He says, although people reject God, the time will come when all will be silent before him because he speaks. Steve was saying it's almost like a, a, an assembly at school. When the headmaster walks in, often the assembly doesn't change. Everybody else just continues talking and, and babbling to themselves. But the picture at the end is when God comes and sits on his throne, everyone will be silent before him. And God will speak to him then. And we can be sure of all of this because we've seen the Lord Jesus. Now we've seen what Jesus has done. We've seen that Jesus lived the perfect life, the way of righteousness he fulfilled completely in his own effort so that we can now live by faith in him, trusting in his performance for us. I mean, the question is, though, are you going to trust God? Are you going to trust in the Lord Jesus and in the Lord Jesus' performance? That's what Rico Tice has been saying all week. He's saying there's a, a door-marked death in which we all have to walk. And as we walk through the door marked death and face God, what are you going to say to him? What are you going to rely on at that time? Is it going to be your, your performance that you've done this or you've done that, that you're a good person, that you've given to charity? As Rita Tyson says, somebody said to him, are you, has been a blood donor? Is that, is that what you're going to be trusting in yourself? Or are you going to live by faith and trust in the performance of Christ? 
Now, are you going to live by faith? The, the, these, this middle chapter of Habakkuk is saying the only way to live in this world is to live by faith in God. Trusting in Christ's performance and what he's done for us. That he died on the cross after living a perfectly obedient life so that you can be made righteous. And the way that we relate to that now is by trusting in that. Having faith in that. And so we can live in the world by holding the things of this world lightly because they don't bring us ultimate security. They don't bring us ultimate happiness. They don't, they don't make us right with God now and forever. The only thing which will make us right with God now and forever is trusting in his promise. The promise of life through Christ. You see, and if you get that perspective, I'm going to trust in Christ now because he brings life, then you can have a hope and a joy and a, and a rejoice in the Lord in all circumstances because you're trusting in something which is solid and secure and never changes, never moves, never goes. You're trusting in the Lord and his performance for you. You're having faith in God. The righteous one will live by his faith. And so when you live by your faith, you can rejoice in God. You can praise God. Because you've got a hope which doesn't change and doesn't move. What are you going to do this morning? Are you going to live by your faith? Trusting only in Christ? Or is it going to be your education? The job that you get at the end? The money you can earn? Is that what's going to kind of make you secure? Because when those things are taken away, then you're, all you're left with is nothing. The secure thing in the world is to trust God, to live by faith. The righteous one will live by his faith. What are you going to do? Live by faith? Or live by yourself? Trust God and what he's done for you? Or trust what you're going to do for yourself? Let's pray before we go into groups of discussion.